As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through, with the you ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright lights. Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast, I'm Manny Navarro, your host, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. And I'm joined today by Walter Villa, my longtime uh, friend and colleague and diehard Miami Hurricanes fan who probably knows the team better than anybody else. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, he is uh, all over it. Walter uh, writes for the Miami Herald, he covers FIU, but uh, he bleeds orange and green. So Walter, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Uh, sure. I'm, uh, when I write, I'm neutral. But in my, in my own time, certainly I go back with the Hurricanes. Back when they almost dropped the program in the 70s. And uh, and I always said they were a sleeping giant. And lo and behold, what happened and the dynasty they became. And I still feel, Manny, that uh, that they're that sleeping giant once again just because of the recruits available in the South Florida area. Well, they were a giant. And now they just went back to sleep for the past, like, uh, 19 years. But we'll see if they wake up here soon under Manny Diaz. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, run because he started off six and seven. You and I did a podcast, I think last year, uh, here, and I called him a buffoon and, uh, you made sure to remind me of that after they went up to Pittsburgh and upset, uh, the Panthers. You're like, Oh, is he still a buffoon? Uh, and I said, uh, yes, he's got to prove to me that he's head coach material. And right now he's got the Canes off to a five and one start. They're number 11 in the country. He made all the right coaching decisions in the offseason, hired a new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, new receivers coach, went out into the transfer portal and did what he had to do. But now, uh, we're, as we enter the second half of the season, we got to see if it if it rings true and this team continues on the path that it's been on. Uh, obviously, the only blemish to this point was the loss to Clemson, uh, who's the number one team in the country. And there's no uh, shame in that, certainly, with how good Clemson's been uh, over the last uh, five to ten years. Normally, I have Mike Zimmerman on here, and Mike Zimmerman uh, has sort of gained the reputation, my producer Mike Zimmerman, uh, for being a hater, for being a Canes hater, because he's never satisfied. He doesn't care that it's five and one, because Mike is kind of uh, more of the guy who wants to see them be giants again. And every time they beat uh, Virginia 19 to 14, or they struggle to get past Pitt, or they, you know, they kind of don't play the way that he wants them to. 
he says, nah, this isn't going right. And so I, and I can appreciate that because, uh, you know, he, he remembers the glory days. He wants them to be great again. I know you want them to be great again. Um, so I, I'm glad I can have you on this episode to talk a little bit uh, about the Canes coming off the bye week and, and sort of looking ahead to the second half, which of course begins Friday night at NC State, uh, 7.30 kickoff in Raleigh. Walter, I guess I'll start with this since, uh, since you know the Canes really, really well. What, what's been your impression of the first six games? And do you think that Manny Diaz is no longer a buffoon? <laughs> I, I said it last year. I didn't think it was a buffoon last year. I think, I think they're right where they're supposed to be, five and one. Uh, not every game is going to be a Picasso. It's unrealistic to expect they're not there yet. But they're five and one. However, it's a treacherous road because any slip up right now, and, and you're going to say SOC, same old Canes for the last – uh, whatever that's been, decade and a half. So a loss this Friday, and, you're, and, and then legitimately they, they should get blasted. Right now, 5-1 and one, having played Clemson, they're, they're where they're supposed to be. But any misstep now, and you're going to hear about it. You are. And the thing about this NC State team, uh, Miami is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, I think, starting the week over NC State. They're 4-2. and two. Dave Doran's team uh, has played – I think pretty much what people expected them to do. I mean, they, they, they were, you know, kind of like a 500 type team the last couple of years. And every now and then, you know, they, they, they go over a little, little bit over that, become bowl eligible, go to a bowl game. But really, I mean, they've never, they, they haven't been a contender at NC State in a while. I mean, like a, a legitimate contender in the ACC, especially since they're on the side, the divisional side with Clemson. But this team in particular started off well. Uh, with quarterback Devin Leary, the redshirt sophomore, former four-star guy. And then all of a sudden he, he breaks his fibula against Duke, is out for the season, and now it's kind of sent them into this uh, tizzy where now they, they got a couple of backups. Bailey Hawkman, the redshirt junior, a former three-star kid. He's made five career starts. He will start against Miami, according to Coach Dave Doran. Uh, as we record this Monday night around 9, 9.45 p.m., that was what he told the uh, Wolfpack beat writers, but they do have a freshman in Ben Finley that they're excited about that did get some reps in the last game. So essentially the Hurricanes once again preparing for multiple quarterbacks, which is what happened against Pitt and happened against Virginia because they weren't sure who was going to start a quarterback for Pitt and they weren't sure who was going to start a quarterback for Virginia. And But this game, these aren't running type quarterbacks, neither Hawkman nor Finley. They, they don't have uh, much in the way of legs. It's all arm. Uh, a couple stats on Bailey Hockman, uh, 41 of 70 passing. That's 58 completion percentage, three touchdowns, four picks. Uh, he's been sacked seven times. And then Finley, 13 of 20, one touchdown, two picks. Um, again, not a guy who's going to light the world on fire, but, you know, they've got some talented uh, players on, at running back. They've got some good players at receivers. So they've got a couple playmakers. We can go over that in a minute, but, I think you and I were just talking, Walter, that the fact that they don't have their number one quarterback certainly gives Miami an advantage. Manny, that's two times in the past three games for the Hurricanes. And I think you have to have luck as well as talent. That's two times in the last three games that, that Miami plays a team without their starting quarterback. Of course, Kenny Pickett with Pitt. That was a big loss for them and helped Miami win that game. And now Devin Leary, who had an eight touchdowns, eight to two ratio touchdowns to interceptions. So I think they do catch a break there. Um, I've, I've seen them play this year. I like the Finley kid, who's, of course, the brother of Ryan Finley, who's in the NFL. Um, and, and I like that kid. I think Miami catches a break with, with them starting Bailey Hockman. Not that necessarily Ben Finley is ready to set the world on fire as just a freshman. I, I do think he's their better option. 
I would also say the, the Florida State game. Uh, Florida State, Miami was fortunate to play them when they did uh, because they didn't know what they were doing at quarterback yet. Jordan Travis, to me, was the guy they should have been playing. And you saw later they pulled an upset, right? And they beat North Carolina with mm-hmm. Jordan Travis, who's a kid's got a lot of guts. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. So I think they've gotten some some breaks at the most important position at the QBs they've been facing. Now, NC State, just to go over their track record for the season, they beat Wake Forest, who I think is a pretty good team this year, uh, to open the season. They lost 45-24 to to Virginia Tech in week two, then bounced back, beat Pittsburgh by one, beat Virginia by 17, which we know Miami struggled against, beat Duke 31-20, to and then, just like Miami, uh, they had a bye week this past week. But before that, they played North Carolina and lost to North Carolina 48-21. to Um so that's how they've gotten to be four and two. They were actually ranked before they, they took on North Carolina in that game. Uh, but now uh, we mentioned the quarterback situation. I will say this about as, as I go through and break down the rest of the roster here, their, their running backs aren't bad. Uh, Ricky Person Jr. Um, is a junior 6'1", 215, a big back, former four-star guy, has eight career starts. Uh, he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry. Uh, he's run for 335 yards and three touchdowns. And then they've got uh, Zonovan Knight, number seven, who's a sophomore. He's a little bit uh, smaller, a little bit thinner, faster, sleek type guy. Uh, also a former four-star recruit. He's run for 406 yards, three touchdowns. He's averaging close to six yards a carry. He's also very much involved in the receiving game. He's got 12 catches for 106 yards and and 10 uh, 16 runs over 10 yards, which, by the way, um, that's very similar to the number that uh, Derek King has put up. Derek King has the most 10 yard runs or more for the Hurricanes this season. So this guy is just as elusive and as explosive. So they kind of have a two headed backfield. Uh, they have another guy who, who comes in and gets involved in the mix, Jordan Houston, um, who isn't used as much, but he is sort of the third option, just like the Hurricanes have three guys. So essentially that's what they've got there. And then at receiver. Whoa, let um, me, can I get interrupt on the, on the running backs first? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. In the, in the words of one of our old colleagues, Pedro Fontenbaugh, who probably not many people will know, but he had a classic line, I've seen your son play, and he's not that, that good. And that's what I think about their running backs. I've seen them play. I don't think they're very good. What you were, you're about to um, mention, the receivers, Manny, before you give out their stats, but just this Ameza, jeez, uh, Amezi? Ameka Amizi, right. Amizi. Mm-hmm. This kid is a horse, 6'3", 220 senior. I like that kid. And the other guy, it's interesting. I know you're going to mention it in your stats. I, I think Ameka is the, by far the best player on offense, okay? Not even close. But the tight end has got five touchdown catches this year and 11. He's 6'7", 250. So those are a couple of guys that I think are more dangerous. I, I don't think they're going to be able to run on Miami. I, I don't. Well, the one thing I was going to say about these guys is they, they do they, – their offense is built on the big play. If you look at the, the yards per catch – Amizi's averaging over 16 yards a catch. Devin Carter, the redshirt sophomore, who's 6'4", 216. Again, big, tall receivers. Uh, He's averaging over 18 yards a catch, fourth in the ACC. Um, Angeline, uh, you mentioned the tight end, over 15 yards a catch. And then they have a freshman receiver, Anthony Smith, 6'2", 173, uh, close to 16 yards a catch. Now, he doesn't have a ton of catches. But again, the whole point is that these guys go down the field where I think a lot of the time you see the Miami receivers run these short little quick routes. We've kind of got that deep ball envy, right, with the Hurricanes because even though we saw it against Virginia where De'Aaron King was able to hit six completions 20 yards downfield, which matched what he did the first five games, 
they're just be, the Hurricanes are just beginning to get going in that aspect. But NC State, that's what their forte is really with these receivers. And they've got a really good slot receiver too, Thayer Thomas. Um, in terms of just consistency, he's got 15 catches on the year for 205 yards, and, and he's their main weapon out of the slot, catches a lot of balls, converts first down. So, I mean, their receivers to me, when I look at this offense, their receivers are really the strength, especially now their quarterback is out. Um, the running backs are solid. I wouldn't say they're great. They're solid. And, they're, and the receivers with the size is what I think is daunting for Miami. Yeah, I, I, I repeat, I don't think they're going to run on Miami much. I think Mecca is the big guy. And one thing that I'm really concerned, man, you obviously we talk about how much I know the team, but of course you're the preeminent beat writer, you know, for the Miami Hurricanes in town. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on DJ Ivy because we're talking about, to me, that's a big match of these big targets that they have against the Miami DBs. I'm very down on DJ Ivy, what I've seen. There was a play last Miami game where he, it was, I think it was a third and 15-ish. And the receiver drove him, I'm not kidding, about 10 to 12 yards off. Mm -hmm. And then they completed the pass in front of him. What is that? I mean, DJ Ivy, to me, it's, it's, this is not just a recent problem. He has really um, not been productive. So you worry about that matchup. Um, I think that the kid, Takori Couch, when I've seen him this year, has been conversely very impressive. Uh, I think we need to see more of him. What, what, what are your thoughts on that matchup, especially some of the particular names? Of course, we got Blades uh, against these, these big targets that NC State has at wide receiver and in tight end. Well, both of Miami's defensive backs have, have size and, and long arms and so forth. So I think from that perspective, it's not uh, something that you worry about, at least with the two starting uh, uh, defensive backs for the Hurricanes. But certainly to Corey Couch is a little guy. He's a slot slot type corner. So I think as long as he stays on NC State's slot uh, receiver, he'll be fine. But, you know, moving him to the outside, I, I get your concern. You know, you don't want to see uh, Miami, you know, kind of get beat and, 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 and get beat down the field. But I will say this about DJ Ivy. Uh, when you look at his numbers and coverage, certainly compared to Al Blades, he's actually been better as the season has gone on. Al Blades has actually given up. Uh, more, no more, more catches. He's been, Come on. No, I'm dead serious. I, I know it seems that way because of the way the season started uh, for, um, for, for DJ. This must be Manny where we have our fight. This must be where we have our fight over pro football focus that, that you're very faithful to. And what the eyeball test is I'm telling, did you see the play I'm talking about when he got driven off 15? 10, yes. 15 no, I think, I think Ivy's certainly Ivy, Ivy on run defense has not been as good. Uh, and tackling, but coverage-wise, coverage-wise, he's a pass play. This was a pass play that the guy ran third and fifteen. They ran it down and out, and and he just ran hard at the guy. DJ Ivy kept backpedaling, and they they threw the completion in front of him. I just haven't been impressed. So if that's what Pro Football Focus is saying, I mean, I'm not. I'm well, not seeing I, I, listen, Pro Football Focus grades Blades slightly better than him. They they okay. both they both grading out slightly above average, like 62.4, 62.2 is literally their their overall grades, which 60 is average. So they're slightly above average, which I think is fair. I don't think either of them have, have played great this year. But okay. I, all I'm saying in DJ's defense is he's given up fewer catches as far as what Pro Football Focus has tracked off of film. He's given up seven catches. He's been targeted 20 times. Only given up seven catches. He's got four pass deflections. He's only given up one touchdown. So, and Al, Al Blades, by, you know, on the, on the flip side, he's given up 17 catches, 
on 34 targets. So clearly they're going after Al Blades. I mean, he's been targeted 34 times, DJ Ivy only 20. That to me says the story as much as anything, right? I mean, how often ball gets thrown at a guy. And the fact that Al has been targeted uh, 34 times tells you the defense thinks he can be beat. So, and I think a lot of that just has to do with Al's speed. I don't think Al's as fast as he needs to be to play that position. Where's to Corey Couch in those rankings? So I, like well, I can give you to Corey Couch's numbers. He's been targeted 17 times. He's given up 12 catches uh, for 164 yards, no touchdowns. He's got three pass breakups. So, um, again, you know, how much of this is them playing zone? How much of this playing man? The right. point is, to me, the fact that Hal Blades has been targeted 34 times tells a little bit of a story there. Um, but anyway, that's that's to answer the, the Canes DB questions. Getting back to NC State, and I just want to wrap up the offensive line because I did all the research on it. And, and Manny Diaz was asked about their left tackle, uh, Iki Iguanu. Okay, it's not an easy name to, sp- to say, but Iki Iguanu. He's number 79, their left tackle, 6'4", 325-pound sophomore. He's graded out really well, according to Pro Football Focus. He's played 396 snaps. He's only he's given up three sacks and 11 pressures. But as far as a pro prospect and somebody that sort of projects to the next level, he is the guy who is going to be the difficult challenge. And they actually asked Quincy Roche about him because they're going to go head-to-head in this game. And Quincy very much praised Iquanuans like, look, he's the real deal. He's a really good tackle. I think the rest of their offensive line, it's kind of been a work in progress. They've had injuries they've lost guys they've had to rotate them around Iquanu actually began the season at left guard now he's at at left tackle so I think this is going to be their fourth or fifth different combination uh, when they line up against the Hurricanes uh, on Friday night so I think while uh, Quincy Roche might get neutralized a little bit because of that matchup with Iquanu I think you look at Jalen Phillips you look at some other guys on Miami's defensive line and say okay they've got to win some of these battles because the one thing that uh, NC State has done is they have given up pressures and, and, and you know, maybe not a ton of sacks. In fact, Iquano's given up three sacks. Their left guard, Joel Scothorpe, has given up two. And then Bryson Spees, the right tackle, has given up three. Um, so they, they can be beaten. This isn't an, an impenetrable offensive line. And I think, again, we know what Miami's strength is. It's defensive line. They've got to put pressure on the quarterback. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. What, what I want to see from the Miami defensive line, I don't think, again, you're, you're doing the numbers and the deep dive and the pro football focus. I'm going off uh, of what I see in the games. I don't see as many stunts on the D-line as last year. Last year, we remember, Manny, a lot of the sacks that Greg Rousseau got, he was starting out on the, on the edge and he was coming up the middle on a stunt. And it was very effective. I haven't seen as much of that this year to get guys loose. So just because the left tackle is in front of you 
doesn't mean that's necessarily going to be the route to the quarterback every time. So I want to see a little bit more of that out of Miami and some stunts and some things to, to kind of uh, get the offensive line out of place. Yeah, I agree. Um, defensively, they run a three-three-five system, and it's kind of a unique defense in the sense that you don't see it very often anymore in college football. I think West Virginia did it a whole ton. But Manny Diaz talked a little bit about it today, about what it's like to face uh, that kind of defense. And I'm actually going to play the clip here, Walt. So uh, I'm not going to play it live for both of us, but I'll play it so that uh, they can edit it into the show. This is what he said about NC State's, Manny Diaz said about NC State's 3-3-5 attack. I think it's just, it's just something you don't normally see every week. Um, and, you know, their defense coordinator has always had a lot of success with it. If you remember, we had the matchup in the West Virginia game in the in the Orlando Bowl a few years ago, and we couldn't gain a yard for you know a large portion in the first half of that game. And um, it just there's there's a threat of maximum coverage, and there's a threat of maximum pressure on every play. And one thing they've always done a really nice job is they're not afraid to to bring the house on first and ten, second and ten, anywhere on the field. Um, then they can just, you know, they can bring a couple different pressures. They can, I mean, there's just a lot of things that they can throw at you. So you got to have a lot of great communication on your offense line and backs. Um, and then you got to check because they do, they, they're able to mix up some coverages down the field where you can make some mistakes if you get a wrong read. So um, they've always been challenging. And I think just their, their entire program, um, you know, I know their strength coach very well. I know Dave Dorn, um, who's a defensive-minded head coach. They're, they're a very strong program. They're a very tough program. You can just see when they when they hit people on contact, people go backwards. Um, so, you know, so our, our guys are ready for an, another challenge on the road. All right, so you heard what Manny Diaz had to say uh, regarding uh, the NC State defense and the scheme that they play. Uh, essentially, Walter, um, what Manny's saying is that they can be a threat with maximum coverage and also a threat with maximum pressure on every play. But really, when you look individually, uh, the guy who, at least in their front three, who plays really, really well is this uh, Aleem McNeil, the 6'2", 320-pound junior uh, nose tackle. He's a four-star kid. He has graded out really, really well, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, the linebackers, the, the ends, not so much. Uh, th- their grades are pretty poor, although the, the linebackers are highly productive. Isaiah Moore, Drake Thomas, Peyton Wilson, those three guys in terms of tackles, and production, they're there, but they're susceptible to missing tackles. That's that's a number that's very high for them. So I think, you know, you look at Miami this week and you say, how do you get the running game going? Well, this is an opportunity because this NC State run defense isn't necessarily great. I think they're better, um, you know, certainly in pass coverage. I mean, to quote Charlie's, Charles Barkley, terrible. I mean, I saw that I've seen them play. <laughs> and that North Carolina, what it's, they ran all over them. They had one kid that ran for 160. I think it was mm-hmm. Williams. And Carter ran for 106, maybe. I mean, and, and you look at the you look at the points allowed. Uh, 42 by Wake, 45 by Virginia Tech, 29 by Pitt, uh, and then 48 by UNC, some of their worst games. I mean, they held Duke to 20, held uh, Virginia to 21. This is not a good defense, Navarro. Uh, and I think this is, this is the running game that Miami has – has really struggled of late because some better competition. Obviously, Clemson, the Pitt D line is very good. Um, I think this is this is a this is a day, or this is a night rather for Miami to get healthy on offense and 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 the running backs. I mean, the whole offense should should feast on this guys. No, 
Yeah, I mean, these guys are giving up 34 points a game, and they rank 72nd in total defense, or they were going into the bye week, giving them 447 yards per game. And right now, I think the Canes were averaging 413 yards uh, per game on offense and thirty just under 33 points. So you'd think they can get four or five touchdowns in this game uh, based on what NC State has given up. Now, I will say this uh, about NC State's defense. Um, you know, they gave up a ton of yards to North Carolina. They've played uh, Virginia Tech. Those are two of the best running teams in the country. So I think those numbers might be skewed a little bit based on the fact that North Carolina and Virginia Tech have like top 12 rushing offenses. Uh, the one thing for Miami this week, and, and I asked uh, both Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator, and De'Ara King, was about getting the run game going. And I think De'Ara King has to play a bigger factor in that. And specifically, and, and again, I'm not a very guy, a guy who's very familiar with the zone read and, and, and that kind of offense, because I really, the Hurricanes, this is the first time they're really running it at this high of a rate. But I think De'Ara King is so fast. I think that's the one area when you look at this season, like, okay, I think Miami should do more runs for him, get him on the ground, because now you give defenses a, a, another thing to worry about. I think Rhett Lashley brought this up. Derek's been banged up in some of these games. Remember some of the, you know, the hits that he's taken. He's been hobbled a little bit. I think he was certainly was against Pittsburgh. Um, and so I think he's been a little conservative with the running. But now that he's got a sec, you know, a, a bye week, two weeks off between games, he should be healthier. And Derek mentioned today that he thinks he's going to run the ball more. How, how important do you think that is maybe to helping Miami's running game, Walter? Well, Manny, what I've noticed uh, from Derek King is there's a couple of tendencies that have come up, come up that are a little troubling. One is he rolls out to the right almost every time he rolls out. He needs to have some, some rollouts to the left so the defenses aren't expecting that. He, and you see when he's rolling out right, defense are, are expecting that, and he has been ineffective. In terms of the, the zone read, I really his best run, runs all year have been when he dropped back. I like to see him drop back deeper. He's taking two shallow drops. Sometimes that's when you're getting the deflection. Drop back deeper if the pass is not there and then take off. And that's when you see those 30, 40-yard runs, more so than in design runs. So those are a couple of tendencies that I, I'm sure, you know, Rhett Lashley, uh, I just do this uh, part-time. He's, uh, he's getting paid to watch them every single play. Hopefully he's seen – what I've seen and what other fans have probably seen. Um, I think he is dangerous, but I think it's in the scrambles because when, when he drops back to pass and the, the, the DBs now are deep, I'll, now there's so much more room there for him to roam. You know, it's funny that you, that you bring up the fact that he's got uh, his most effective runs on scrambles. I wrote about that today in my article for The Athletic. There how, you go. How, uh, you know, in terms of his, his scrambles, uh, he scrambled 17 times for 248 yards. He's picked up 132 yards on designed runs, which he, he's run those more. I think it's 28 designed runs where he's kind of kept it in and run the ball. So uh, you're right. I think the scrambling certainly is is helpful. But again, I think part of that, too, is I think he's trying to show people that he's also a quarterback and is willing to be patient. So it's kind of like, you know, him him trying to buy time for the receivers and then also maybe waiting too long to take off and run. I think he's just got to make better decisions. And one thing Rhett Lashley did bring up, uh, Derek didn't run a lot of zone read at Houston, and he didn't do a lot of that in high school. So while we associate him with being a running quarterback, as far as the scheme that he's running at Miami with the zone read, it's something that Lashley says the way that he's run, having him run it is not necessarily something he's accustomed to, which was which I found kind of interesting because I think we all just assume he's a running quarterback. He's got to be able to run it. 
but the fact that he's not he, he didn't necessarily run it the way that that Lashley has it is interesting. It's interesting when the metrics coincide with what you see, because I didn't know that stat. didn't read your story, although I advise everybody to read your stories in The Athletic. I didn't happen to catch that one. And but it's interesting when it backs up what what I've been seeing. I was wondering, Manny, when we're talking about the Hurricanes offense, ask you a question. Um, I loved what we saw before the last game where Rhett Lashley put all nine Miami wide receivers as co-starters. In other words, saying, ain't mm-hmm. nobody a starter this week because y'all don't deserve it. It's basically the message he was telling them. And it worked. It's certainly at least with, with Mike Harley, he came out and played the game of his life, catching incredible passes, going up, doing all the things we wanted Miami receiver to see Miami receivers do. So then my question is, I mean, was that a great coaching move or should they have done that sooner? Uh, because we've been seeing this trend for, I don't know, three, four, maybe three games or so where those receivers were not winning contested battles, were not going up and, and getting footballs. So was it good that they did it or could you criticize them and say maybe they should have done that a week or two earlier? Well, I think that's something Manny Diaz is learning as a head coach. And I asked him the question in, in today's press conference, uh, the one that we had earlier today, uh, about, you know, this is his 20th game. What has he learned? You know, this is going to be his 20th game that he's a head coach. What has he learned? Maybe that's different from being a coordinator. And he brought up the fact that you have to find different motivational tools to push guys. And I think initially last year, I don't think he really, you know, it's like anything else. You take over a job, you don't know the extent of what you have to do uh, to, to program everybody the way that you want them to, to push the right buttons. And so I think with the wide receivers, it's something he and Rhett Lashley and, and the receivers coach Rob Likens talked about, like, hey, you know, maybe the freshmen really aren't pushing these guys enough. Maybe we need to create some drama. Maybe we need to create a way to get them to start performing the way that we want them to. And so certainly I think that delivered a message. Now, I will say this, the depth chart, once again, this week, the one that's released for the NC State game, also says or at receiver. So we'll see if that carries over as far as a lasting message. It also you says – even Mike Carly, yes, all the way through. They didn't change anything. Left, ta- left tackle is the same thing. It says John Campbell or Zion Nelson. Uh, it says the same thing at striker um, uh, with uh, Gilbert Frierson and Keontra uh, Smith. And then at safety, the same thing. Bubba Bolden or Gervin Hall or Amari Carter or Gervin Hall. So, again, I, I don't know how much of that is done just for show, like, you know, to, to maybe tell the media, hey, it doesn't matter who we think starts at this position. But certainly – I know it resonated with the receivers last week because they delivered the message, not just on the depth chart that they that released to the media and to the public, but also to the guys in the meetings. And so, you know, we'll see how that sort of carries over. Uh, Mike Harley did talk to us today on the Zoom call, and, and I asked him, hey, are, are guys putting in the extra work now? Because he mentioned right after yeah. the Virginia game, yeah. uh, when I asked him the question, you know, did you think you guys are playing bad? And he's like, yeah, we weren't doing the extra work. We weren't doing the jokes, right. which I think a lot of people freaked out when they heard that. Yeah. They're like, they thought it was automatic. But again, this is this tells you the real story behind the scenes, which, you know, Manny Diaz has talked about it. There's You got to find a different way to motivate guys. And the thing I'd say to Hurricanes fans listening to this is, you don't have the same guys you had in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s because I think there's just different character kids. And I think that's been a big problem for Miami over the years is it's not just getting the guys talent-wise, okay, that go to the NFL and become stars, but I think it's a work ethic thing. It's a mentality thing. Those other guys really wanted to get to the NFL and be stars. I think you have that in certain areas on this team, but not everywhere, and that's where recruiting comes in. 
does Mike Harley need to catch 20 passes a game to be listed as the number one starter, Navarro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think as long as he remains productive. I think, look, Mike Harley's always been motivated by the right things. I think Mike Harley's issue is just he, he's not uh, as skilled as he needs to be to be a dominant player at this position. Now, can he work at it? Can he be a really good slot receiver? Can he be productive? Yeah, I think so. I think he does have the skill set to do it. I mean, heck, he's, he's listed as one of the fastest guys in the team, yet he just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the route running, I don't know if it's the the, the fighting for the 50-50 balls, all those kind of things, he just hasn't done enough of it. And by the way, Rob Likens last week, when we when we talked to him last Wednesday during the bye week, uh, you know, he brought up, I still don't think anybody's won a contested ball on this team. And that's after Mark Pope did that ridiculous catch near the sideline. And, 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 you know, that you started to see some of it happen against Virginia. So obviously the coaches are telling these guys that there's another level to get to, and they're still stressing that. What's going on at tight end, Manny, in terms of Brevin Jordan's health, uh, Will Mar- Mallory, is he, is he getting, is he being targeted enough? Um, we have so much talent there. Um, you know, Larry Hodges is the third string guy. I haven't seen him much. What, what can you tell the people about tight end now? Well, the good news is that uh, Manny Diaz told us today that Brevin Jordan will be back uh, this week. He missed the two previous games, obviously, with the shoulder injury he had against Clemson. Uh, they gave him the bye week uh, to rest. So now he's had three, almost four full weeks to recover uh, from the shoulder. Uh, so, you know, I think he and Will Mallory are going to continue to get the workload or the primary workload. The one thing I'll say about Will Mallory is he just hasn't been targeted a ton. And I think that's part of the production issues that you're talking about. Uh, You look at the receiving numbers. I think he's only got seven catches on the year. And I want to say, I think he's only been targeted 10 times. I mean, Jalen Knighton and Cameron Harris have had the ball thrown his way more. So um, I think, you know, part of it is Derek King. Is he finding him? Is he looking for him? Um, is it a matter of uh, Will just not not being open when they look for him? I don't I don't know. Uh, I think you know I think they like Will a lot. They think he has really good skills. You saw he made a heck of a catch on the first play of the game against yeah. Virginia, but he disappeared pretty much after that. It wasn't like he was highly involved the rest of the night. So he drew um, a, an interference penalty, I believe. Yeah, I think later so. On, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did later on. Um, but all all in all, I mean. I, the tight end position, I, I don't want to say it's been a disappointment, but certainly Brevin Jordan, and you talk about him being a Mackey Award finalist last year and one of the three finalists for the award, I think it's going to be really, really hard for him this year to do that because you have so many other tight ends around the country that have put up really good numbers. Kyle Pitts at Florida in particular wow. has really blown up. He, I would say he's the favorite to win that wow. award. He's a beast. And, and, and so I think Brevin, you know, by being hurt, it's hurt him you know, in the awards and in the recognition. And I'm interested to see what NFL scouts think of him because now, again, remember, this is the second year in a row now where he's missed time because of injury. Once you get that label of being injury prone, that scares teams away, right? That That's something that... Durability, uh, yeah. Durability yeah, is a factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly a factor. And, you know, one aspect that we, we spent all of this podcast talking about NC State and, and the matchup with the Hurricanes, uh, one one thing to note from from Monday's uh, news, uh, we don't know who's going to be available. Like always, we never know because anybody can fill a test. But essentially, you know, the Miami Herald reported over the weekend that there were more kids who who tested positive uh, for COVID or either were being held out uh, due to contact tracing. And I know it's not a sexy subject we like to talk about. I mean, who, who the hell wants to talk about viruses? But you know, they had six players miss the Virginia game, six freshmen. 
And I reached out to some parents uh, today to try to find out, okay, is this really bad? Is this a bad situation? Uh, you know, Manny Diaz didn't want to get into it when he was asked the question today about, you know, how many guys are you going to have out? Uh, he kind of just said, look, we've got to go through all the testing and we'll find out, you know, the same time you guys find out, which is an hour before kickoff, which is a bunch of baloney, obviously. My, I'm pretty sure Manny Diaz knows who's in his practices and who isn't. But, uh, you know, he told us we'll find out basically Saturday, an hour before kickoff when they send the, the report Friday, out. Friday, 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 Friday. I'm sorry. Um, and so, you know, I can tell you this. What I've heard is that it's majority of them are freshmen that there's I've been told by a couple of parents. It's not any of the key players or the key starters. Uh, and I spoke to a parent who has a senior on the team and I spoke to a parent who has a freshman on the team. So I went to try to, you know, go and, and, and mix it up, see different classes. But from my, my understanding, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's the freshman. Now, could it spread? Could more guys test positive? Could all of those things happen? Absolutely. You never know. And, you know, they got tested today, Monday. They're off Tuesday because of the election. There's no practice anywhere in college football because the NCAA designated this a day where people need to be allowed to go vote and participate in the election. And uh, Diaz told us today they're also going to be tested Wednesday and then Thursday as well. Uh, the game, of course, is Friday. So um, we'll find out soon enough how many more guys are out. But I think it's a good sign, certainly, that Derek King went to the press conference today. Uh, Mike Harley, your leading receiver, went to the press conference. And Quincy Roche, who's arguably arguably been your best pass rusher, um, you know, he he was at the press conference today. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how many guys are out. But certainly a, a thing that has to concern you. And look, it's affected everybody in college football. Wisconsin had a game canceled, essentially, because their whole team was dealing with it. Florida's had, had games postponed or, or, you know, sort of delayed or canceled because of the situation. FIU, who you covered, it's happened now how many weeks in a row for FIU? They've missed two out of their past three games. So it's an issue and it's prevalent and it's kind of been a miracle that through six games so far, Miami really hasn't been affected by this. If you think about it, I mean, they've had the six freshmen last week. They had a couple, couple guys, I think second week of the season that had to deal with it. But outside of that, they've been pretty yeah. fortunate. Uh, for, yeah. Um, the, the big loss, I think, and that freshman was Xavier Restrepo. Obviously they have Pope returning punts, but he was starting, he had won that job. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Pope had lost it with his couple of muffed uh, uh, punt returns. But I was interested to see where Restrepo was going to go. He was so good in the spring, Manny, when you were, we were reading those numbers about what he was doing. And they were running uh, jet sweeps with him, apparently. And and I, I, I've just really been wanting to see those, those freshman receivers. We've seen just little glimpses of Washington, little glimpses of Restrepo. And I want to see more. And the other thing I would ask you, Manny, since, again, you know this team better than anybody, is the offensive line. Uh, you know, when the running game doesn't work, I just – I almost never blame the running backs. I mean, Cam Harris didn't forget how to run. Don Chaney didn't forget how to run. Jalen Knighton didn't forget how to run. I just think the holes weren't there. The defenses were better. But also, what have you learned from all the people that you talked to in terms of – because the blocking, obviously the competition was lesser in the beginning – year but you know UAB they ran the ball uh, I think for 300 yards and we've seen it when the competition is stiffened they haven't been as effective what have, what have you found out about the O-line and 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 are they disappointed in in the in the unit 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirecTV.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I think a couple of different things. One, I think the last three opponents have been much tougher in terms of what they, the size and physicality that they bring up stri- uh, up front. Obviously, Clemson has a very good defensive front. Uh, certainly, Pittsburgh did, and Virginia's got a lot of size and length uh, there. I also think Miami's had a couple of injuries. Uh, John Campbell, who was supposed to be their starting left tackle, has been dinged up. Uh, Jared Williams had a hand issue that cost him a game. Um, Ja'Kai Clark started the, the season out because he was coming back from injury. So you had three guys that were supposed to be starters. And then Zion Nelson, who started the last game at, at left tackle and has been really good, really good in terms of his numbers compared to last year. He's playing out of his mind. Um, you know, he he was started off in camp playing guard. They were trying to see if they could play him at guard. And so he was kind of put behind the eight ball a little bit in the beginning. And so now he's back out at left tackle, which means I think John Campbell, you know, we either back him up or move to another spot. Really the, the most disappointing areas I think has been in the inside. DJ Scaife has not played nearly as well as he did a year ago when he was the offensive team MVP, granted on a six and seven team that, and an offensive line that gave up a ton of sacks. But Look, overall, they've been much better in pass protection. They're giving up a lot fewer sacks uh, and a lot fewer uh, pressures. In fact, I think they've cut their sack numbers, sack percentage numbers, and their pressure percentage numbers in half from last year. So that's a significant upgrade when it comes to passing the football. Uh, But running the ball has really been a struggle the last few weeks. Uh, Cam Harris is 35 yards on his last 28 carries. That's over his last three games. Um, They're just not getting the push, the physicality that they need up front. And, you know, they took ownership of of that. Um, You know, offensive line coach Garen Justice talked about that last Wednesday, how, you know, they know that that they're not doing their job as good as they need to. So, you know, Jalen Rivers is developing, you know, uh, the freshman four-star recruit. You know, you talk about wanting to see freshmen. I think he's moved up, and, and this is the words of Garen Justice, the offensive line coach. He's moved up from being 10th or 11th on the rotation to like 6th or 7th now. And I think there's a chance that in the second half of the season that, you know, maybe he's ready now to start uh, contributing and actually playing more. To this point, he hasn't played very much at all. I think he's only got 10, 10 snaps or 13 snaps, something like that. But I think he might be on the verge. I know fans are holding out hope for Navon Donaldson. They're like, oh, maybe Navon Donaldson. You know, he's got 33, 34 career starts. He had the knee injury. I spoke to someone earlier today who told me that there's a chance that maybe at the end of the season, Navon will come back. But that, you know, really at a certain point, once COVID hit and the workouts stopped, um, you know, Navon was like, I think I'm not going to end up playing this season. And, you know, and so he's been trying to get himself back in shape, coming back from that knee injury. Um, and I like and, that Rivers kid, man. He, he moves people. I like, you know, he's a tackle, but I like to play him. In, like to see them play him inside first, and he moves people. I like him, and I, and I get your your overall point in terms of the continuity. I think what you're getting at has been shaken by some of these little injuries. But hey, that's exciting news for Hurricanes fans listening to this. That, that uh, Rivers has moved up in the rotation. Maybe they'll get to see him just kick some ass and move people all the way. That's kind of the guy they need. He's what? How big is that kid? Six five. Uh, Jalen is six five, three twenty five. He's 
probably bigger than that. But you know that that kid again, it's highlights that I've seen in a high school. But he he moves he moves the pile, and that'd be interesting development if, if they can get him in there. Yeah, I I would say you know look, the offensive line is as bad as it was last year. The only guy you're going to lose off of this unit most likely is Jared Williams, assuming he goes to the NFL or tries to, to go pro after this season. Everybody else on this offensive line that's a that's played and been a part of it is either a sophomore or a junior, and I don't think any of those guys are ready to go to the NFL. So I would assume that you're going to get uh, f- you know five of those guys back. You're going to have Jalen Rivers, and let's not forget about Isaiah Walker, you know, who, who Miami got from Florida, who's going to be an offensive tackle. He's a, he's more of a prototypical offensive tackle. He's a guy that they're developing. Then you throw in Navon Donaldson, who will be healthy. That's eight guys going into next season who will all be juniors or seniors with the Rivers and, and Walker being the redshirt freshman. I mean, you're, you're really, to me, going into that Alabama game, you're like, okay, where's the strength? It might actually be the offensive line and the running backs, which is a good sign. Uh, because we don't know what's going to happen with Derek King. And obviously some of these receivers, you know, they just haven't really been cutting it. So I don't know, you know, what's going to happen with that position. But certainly I think offensive line and running back could be a strength at the start of 2021. That's crazy. To, that's crazy to think that that would happen. With, that's been such a struggle. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I think uh, Garen Justice is a good coach. And I think he's really – you can tell the difference that he's made simply in pass protection. I mean, to go from being – one of the worst teams in, in the Power Five Conference, having a kid like Zion Nelson get destroyed every Saturday to all of a sudden, you know, as Garen Justice said, he's one of the best offensive linemen on the team. Uh, it, it shows you that, that this guy's coaching him up and making him better. But I think the running the running game, that's the part of it. You know, moving bodies, being physical, that's the side where I think had they had spring football, had they had an entire summer where they got to be in the weight room and not worrying about COVID, I think you would have seen them be further ahead than they are right now. I think that's what's limiting them. Although we did see that physicality at the end of the Virginia game when when Knighton and Cheney started, especially Cheney, if I recall correctly, started moving people, and and it was and they kind of warmed down a little bit there. So that was at least and and the Pittsburgh game. Let's not forget the Pittsburgh game. They, the fourth quarter they had a drive as well, and I and I think that's what you're seeing. I think you're seeing that eventually. You know, that this offense, the scheme of the hurry up and line up, you know, that's that's what it's meant to do. It's to it's to get the defense tired and to, so that when you get to the fourth quarter, you're able to run the ball successfully and run over teams. Um, and, and you're seeing, you know, little glances of it, little examples of it, little sparks. It's just you, you, you want it to happen earlier in the game in the first quarter, in the second quarter, so that, you know, Derek King isn't so relied upon. Because if we're being honest, Walter, I mean, and, and I wrote this in my uh, mailbag this past week. You know, if the Hurricanes didn't have Derrick King, what would their record be this year? What would you, what do you, how good do you think this Miami team would be without Derrick King? Yeah, it's hard to say, but yeah, it would probably maybe 500. Yeah, maybe 500. And I, I think it's fair. It's a fair assessment. I think Manny Diaz and Red Lash have both been honest that he having him has made a world of difference. Having Jose Borregales as a kicker has made a world of yeah. difference. Uh, having Jared Williams to, to be one of your starting right tackles has certainly helped. So, a lot of uh, Manny Diaz's uh, uh, production and, and change to this program has been through transfers. And now, you know, he's kind of got to get back to the point where he's developing players and you have freshmen that aren't sort of taking forever to develop. And, and by the time they're redshirt freshmen or sophomores are really delivering and helping your team. Well, that's why also going back to the comment about buffoon, why I don't think he is a buffoon, because it, it is kind of gratifying. Um, media people are media people and, and fans are fans, but 
it's not like we're talking, as I always say about brain surgery, it's football and we can see the things that are going on. And when, when people watch the game and it, it seems like people watch the game and coaches watch the game are watching two completely different things. That's troubling to me, but obviously they saw the glaring weaknesses that we saw. They saw the offensive line was a problem. Kicking was a problem. Uh, quarterback was a problem. They saw early this year when wide receivers weren't going up and, 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 and snatching footballs and, and high-pointing footballs. They saw that was a problem. So that, to me, is gratifying that they see what we, that what we see, and, and, and then they go and make their attempts to, to address it. By the way, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but you had a couple things, a uh, follow-up that you had said. One was you said that NC State, they run a 3-3-5, and it's pretty unusual. Is it really? I mean, Miami, they, they, they kind of do – I mean, they're playing five DBs also, though, because three. Uh, right, but they know, play Miami's more of a four-two-five in that sense. Okay, yeah, because Frierson is also uh, really he's a glorified DB. Um, and then also we we didn't touch on uh, linebackers or or the safeties. I mean, uh, I didn't think Bubba Bolden. He's been so spectacular. Did not have a great game. I don't know what you thought, Manny. This last game. Um, and then we have the Amari Carter. Every week he gets tossed. Uh, so talk about safeties, if you would, and, and, and linebackers. What are you seeing at those, those two spots? Well, linebacker I've written about quite a bit and, and the struggles that they've had there this season. Um, you know, I, I, part of it is uh, you're dealing with Bradley Jennings Jr. who's coming back from a major injury. So I don't want to make that the excuse for him, but certainly – it's a fair uh, observation, you know, that the guy is not playing at a high level in part because of that. And I think his strength is really being physical and being a hard hitter up front, but he's been terrible at filling gaps at times, very slow to get there. Um, Zach McLeod has to me been the bigger disappointment because he's the fifth year senior with all those starts under his belt and he's not graded out. Well, he's missed a lot of tackles. Um, I think that's been his struggle. Uh, and, and, you know, and this was pointed out to me that really, you know, weak side linebacker. That's not what he was. He was more of a middle linebacker and he, and he's moved to the weak side because Bradley Jennings is in the middle. So I don't know how much of that is causing problems for him. And then Sam Brooks Jr., the sophomore, we all know he, he wasn't a linebacker coming out of high school. He was an edge rusher. And so you're teaching him how to play linebacker. He could have benefited from a full spring, didn't have it. And then he was injured to start camp. He injured himself earlier in the year, early in, in, in fall camp. So that kind of put him behind the eight ball. Um, you know, the one thing you have gotten out of, out of Corey Flagg, the freshman, is you see he's more of a natural middle linebacker. He's definitely more like a Shaq Quarterman. I think at a certain point you're going to see him over overtake somebody for a starting job here before the end of the year just because he's smarter, instinctive, and more natural at that position. But they need to get better on that end. The run defense, you've seen a gigantic difference from last year to this year. Uh, they're giving up more than 40-something yards per game on the ground. And they're facing two really good running teams, as I mentioned earlier. Virginia Tech and North Carolina are two of the right. best in the country. And that could be an Achilles heel if they don't get it fixed. But look, Manny Diaz talked about it. I asked Quincy Roche about it, about what the defensive linemen have to do better on run fits. Because let's not forget, you have Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips, who, you know, they're good at rushing the passer, but they haven't necessarily graded out awesome, you know, stopping the run. And Quincy Roche himself has talked about how that's what he came to Miami to do was to learn how to stop the run and be better at that so he could be a more complete player. So I like Jalen Phillips against the run, though. I think he's pretty stout. He is. But again, you're talking about another guy who how long has it been since he played? Right. And so there's going to be moments where you're in the wrong gap, you're in the wrong space, you know, you get twisted around, you're not where you're supposed to be. 
and and when you go, <clears throat> excuse me, when you go against teams that are outside zone teams, teams that 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 you know run the ball a certain way, and they put pressure on you to fill those gaps. Um, if you don't play really good disciplined ball and, and you're not in the gaps that you're supposed to be, you're going to give up big runs. And that's what's happened to Miami this year at times. They've gotten beat, you know, for 10, 15, 20 yard runs. And you're just like, okay, where's the linebacker? Where's the, where's the defensive lineman? Uh, why weren't they there? So um, look, I, I like their, I like their D tackles. Uh, I think Jordan Miller has been unsung player. Uh, we know Silvera, he gets a lot of publicity, but Jordan Miller, I think has been good. And then uh, Harrison Hunty, I think he has. I think he might lead a team in sacks, if I'm not mistaken. He's been pretty good coming off the bench. Yeah, he's um, tied for the uh, he's tied for the team lead in, in sacks. And by the way, it's Harrison Hunt, not Hunty. But I like that you called him Hunty. There's an E at the end, right? <laughs> yeah, there is. But it's Harrison Hunt. The okay. E is silent. E is silent. All right, well, take it take it off. Why does he have the E there for to confuse somebody like me? <laughs> what about safety? What are you seeing there? Well, uh, Bubba Bolden um, at times has played well. I think he's been the most consistent guy you've had. Um, Gervin Hall, is, you know, the last game, the fact that he even finished, uh, obviously he, he was dealing with a foot injury and, and he kind of had to tough it out. Uh, you saw Gilbert Fires had moved to safety essentially because they, they needed to, and, and Gilbert hasn't played that since high school. Um, and, and then uh, obviously Amari Carter with the strike, you know, the uh, – Targeting. the targeting you know it's like at a certain point that has to end um you know the I, referees have it out for him I mean, that, the referees i mean they're they're hunting him hunty h-u-n-t-e <laughs> hunting him uh yeah i i think um i i think there's certainly a reputation that he's built to, to sort of warrant that um but he's got to do a better job and manny diaz has talked about it uh last week uh he mentioned he's got to do a better job of sort of knowing uh, what to do. I think in the situation against Virginia, it was just sort of bad luck. He was going up against a small receiver at the last minute. The receiver kind of ducked his head down, and that's why you had the helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit. But uh, again, if you're Mari Carter, it's like, what do you do? You're in the middle of the season. You've been hit with this penalty now four times. You've been ejected twice for targeting. Uh, you you got to get it right sooner or later. Now, I will say this, because he did get ejected in the, in the fir very first play against Virginia, he doesn't have to sit out uh, any time against SC State, so they'll be back at full strength, or they should be back at full strength and safety. That's a small blessing. <laughs> Walter, uh, we've covered everything, man. Is there anything else on your mind, or we wrap this up? Let's let's uh, let's wrap it up. I mean, unless the only other question I had was a brief look at the at the league at the ACC. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to touch that, I mean, it seems to me like Miami. The victory over Virginia, which a lot of people were freaking out because it wasn't by enough points. I said I, it was fine. They won the game. They should have won. And Virginia uh, had a big game and, and made that look like a better victory. I think, uh, you know, curious to get your thoughts, but obviously there's Clemson way, way above everybody. And then there's Notre Dame, which we'll see what happens now. No Trevor Lawrence. They may catch a huge break this week. Um, Miami probably fits in behind it. And then you have, to me, on that tier with Miami is probably North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and then everybody else. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think Notre Dame, uh, by virtue of the fact that they really haven't been challenged. I know that Louisville game was 12 to 7, but outside of that, they've pretty much taken care of business, not convincingly, but certainly 
not as scary as Miami. I mean, they've outscored their five opponents 209 to 62. So there is something to be said for that. Miami's outscored their opponents 197 to 133. So we play um, Clemson. Miami's played Clemson and Notre Dame has. That that's correct. And but still, I think the Irish are slightly better uh than than, than Miami. And um, you know, this game is interesting because I watched the Clemson Boston College game, or at least once it got scary, it was 21 to seven. I think when I tuned into to the game with Boston College ahead, um, you know, the DJ uh, Ugalele, the, the the freshman quarterback. Um, yeah. yeah, he is a very good player. He's a, fi- a former five star uh, recruit, a number one quarterback in the country. And I six five, you know, 250 pounds. He's a big kid. I, I just think there's not going to be – I understand there will be a drop-off uh, once Trevor Lawrence leaves, but I don't think it's going to be as sizable as everybody's hoping. Everybody else in the ACC is hoping. Like, he is a good player. Um, so, you know, I, I still think Clemson's going to win on Saturday at Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame's at home. They don't have to face uh, Trevor Lawrence. But I still think Clemson defensively is superior, and I would say that Ugalele uh, is is very good, and he's going to get the job done. He's you know his receivers aren't as great as some of the uh, Clemson receivers of the past, but he's got Travis Etienne in the backfield, and that is a huge factor. He's the ACC's all time leading rusher. Uh, you know, on my radio show tonight uh, over on Onside Radio, we had uh, Tom Loy who covers Notre Dame, and he picked Notre Dame to pull the upset off. I think Clemson's mm. a six six point favorite but he thinks Notre Dame's defense is going to be the factor. So, but those are the two best teams right now. And if Miami is able to win out and Notre Dame wins out, uh, the tiebreaker will ultimately come down to a a computer deciding who is uh, better between Notre Dame and Miami. Uh, So we'll find out uh, if that's the case, but I think the the Hurricanes still have uh, some serious challenges ahead. I think even though North Carolina lost and they're four and two, uh, that's going to be a tough game to wrap up the season and certainly going to Blacksburg uh, to face the Hokies, who are also four and two. Uh, that those are going to be two very challenging games. And don't sleep on Wake Forest, who is four and two as well. Uh, I think Wake Forest has played well. They've won four games in a row and they're going to be uh, hungry and looking for an upset of the Hurricanes when they when they go to visit there. So all that's those a- all those games, Manny, are going to be defensive challenges, not uh, those are games that we should score. Miami should score. Uh, edit out where I say we, that Miami should score, <laughs> <laughs> Miami should score a lot of points, um, but the, it's going to be defensive challenges. If, see if the Hurricanes rise to the to the challenge there to stop those offenses because Wake Forest's defense is not good. North Carolina's defense is terrible. Virginia Tech's defense is not good. I mean, let's be realistic. Those teams are offensive challenges for Miami. Well, Miami's defense needs to be needs to come correct, which I think they're very capable of doing. The one thing I would tell you about uh, Wake Forest is they they do lead the country, I think, in turnover uh, ratio. I think they're plus 14 in turnover, which we know uh, how magical the turnovers can be, right? I mean, Miami was 10-0 in large part because of how, how much they dominated the turnover. And I think you got to acknowledge the fact that Wake Forest, whether it's luck, whether it's skill, they are uh, plus 14, and that counts for something. So, by the way, Clemson's quarterback. I can't wait till he's a starter, and I can call him ukulele. Ukulele, right? Well, you, 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 ukulele. I think is the way you pronounce it. So, well, I murder her name. So, you know, you you mock me all the time. So, I'm sure I'll call him something that's not his <laughs> real name. Well, 
Listen, man, I appreciate you doing this uh, podcast with me. I want our listeners to know that uh, you host a show on Tuesdays for Sirius XM front page 305, something that I was a part of as well. So they do get to get your uh, Hurricanes opinions there as well as uh, other South Florida sports teams. And they can also read your work in the Miami Herald and, and a lot of I would tell them to follow you on Twitter, but I know that uh, that's probably useless, right? By the way, uh, not, no show tomorrow because of this little thing called the election. So uh, we'll be back on Sirius XM Radio uh, a week from tomorrow. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me on the show. All right, man. Appreciate it. Uh, we will uh, we'll catch up. 305-954-568. This is the state of Miami. Y'all know y'all come down that way.